Ah, hope. It feels good to hear it almost as much as it does to feel it, doesn't it? But hope doesn't help you or hurt you when you're working toward your financial goals. And the state of your finances is what you make of it. So be sure to know what your overall financial goals are. If you're a physician wanting to take control over your financial future and take back the freedom you deserve, come hang out with this money nerd. No long hours or sleepless nights. Just you, me, and the Financial Residency Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Inman, and welcome back to the show. We have a really fun show today, and it gets a little touchy-feely because that's what we surround ourselves with at the start of a new year. And I'm specifically talking about one word, and that is hope. We hope to lose 10 pounds this year, or in my case, maybe a little bit more. We hope for good health and happiness. We hope to make good career decisions, or we hope that this is the year that we take over our finances. Now, hope is nice because it makes us feel really good. What does it mean when it comes to actually taking some action? Well, hope can't make us do any one thing in particular. And in fact, I think it clutters our thinking with emotion. When emotion is all we thrive on to help achieve our goals, that's when we run into problems. And ain't nobody got time for problems? So that's why I brought on the amazing physician Katrina Ubel, who's a physician at the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast, which is an awesome podcast, even if you aren't trying to lose weight. I think that show is fascinating, and you should all take a listen. And that's why I brought her on, though, is to talk about hope and the reason we fall short of achieving our goals. And she has a lot to say about this. I want to dig in right now, and I quote-unquote hope you enjoy the show. Katrina, thank you so much for being on the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. Ryan, I'm so glad to be here. Super excited. So we have a really interesting show here because we're going to be talking all about hope. And so I was recently listening to one of your amazing podcasts, and the theme was that hope is not a strategy. You actually called it a dream stealer, and that was immediately when I knew I had to have you come on the show. I thought we had to talk about this because I feel the same exact way, and I hear it all the time. I know we both hear physicians saying stuff like, I hope XYZ is going to be the solution to my problem, or the one I actually hear the most, I hope I can find the time. And I immediately kick into like, what do you mean? It's either important or it's not. So I'm curious, how is hope not a strategy? Yeah, I mean, I was talking about hope not being a weight loss strategy, but it's just not a strategy for any goal that you have in your life at all. And really what, like hope sounds so good though, right? Like (laughs) that's the problem with it. It sounds like it's just this amazing word that is going to create something good. But when you really tease it apart, what you realize is that hope is very passive. It's completely based in uncertainty and really not trusting yourself at all. It's like a complete doubt in yourself. And then you're just hoping that maybe something different will happen then what you doubt is going to happen. So in the case of finances, I hope I can find the time. That means that you doubt that you will find the time, but you're just like kind of hoping that time will unfold somehow and plop in your lap and say, hey, this is when you're supposed to be spending time on your budget or (laughs) figuring out what you're going to be doing with your money. And so I think where people struggle is that every now and then it works, right? They do get the result that they want. And they're like, oh, look at that. 
So they don't actually have to develop a different skill of creating some certainty in themselves that this is something that's important to them that they want to solve. So for instance, what I talk about is like, well, you can't be certain on how rapidly you'll lose weight or on what exact day you'll reach your goal weight or things like that. But you can totally be certain in showing up for yourself every day, continue to take steps forward, continue to work on yourself so that you get to that day one day where you're at your goal weight and stay there. And it's the same thing with paying off debt or with saving, right? You might be like, well, I don't really know. Like, will I get a bonus? I don't really know how the stock market will do. What if there's a downturn? I don't really know how much money I'm going to have at the end of however many years. But that doesn't mean that you should just like sit around and hope. Like it means that you still look at today, what's the best next step for me to take today to move forward. And hope is not what drives that action. Yeah. Hoping and praying. We hear that all the time, right? It's something that actually implies you're going to do something about it. It's what keeps you in that holding pattern though. It's a wish. I Well, I hope basically is XYZ is going to occur. And it sounds great because it puts it into a positive bias, you know, a great outlook on life. Ideally though, we want you to think more rationally or logically about something rather than hope or desire. I know that you have this thought model that you've actually discussed on your show. And of course, I thought it was fascinating. So I'm really hoping that we can dig into that just a bit here. You know, what is that thought model? And then how does hope play into that model? Yeah, absolutely. So the thought model is just the way the world works. So this is just a way of describing what's just true. <laughs> it's not like something that was like made up or created or discovered. It's just how things work. So this is, there's five components to the thought model. The first is the circumstance. And this is the neutral facts of a situation. So the circumstance would be, I have $200,000 of educational debt. Okay, so this is this is a neutral fact, right? Someone who has $500,000 worth of debt is looking at $200,000 worth of debt and going, oh my gosh, that's not that much. And someone who has none or very little is looking at 200,000 going, ooh, that's a lot. So we know that it's not a fact to say, I have a lot of student debt, because not everybody would look at $200,000 as a lot. Some people think it's not that much. So what we're looking at is just what are the neutral facts, everybody could agree upon it. And we put that there on that circumstance line. And so the thing is, is that there's not that many neutral facts in the world. Like when you look at your money, like money is actually pretty neutral. But most of the issues that we have around it, like it's all going to be our thinking around it. So we have our circumstances, the neutral facts. And then we have a thought about that. So if you have 200K in debt, then your thought might be, it's too much. I don't know if I'll ever pay it off. It seems overwhelming. Like, you know, there's so many different thoughts that we have. And that the thought is the meaning that we assign to that circumstance. So meaning like, again, with my example of the person who has 500K in debt, they once they see a balance of 200, they're like, celebrating, right? Their meaning is like, oh my gosh, I've paid off 300k in debt. This is amazing. Whereas a person who has none is their thought is totally different. Their meaning that they assign to it is completely different. Like that's so much. Okay, so then we have what our thoughts are. And our thoughts then drive our feelings. They actually physically, like when you look biologically, physiologically at the body, the 
two neurons that connect in your brain to create a thought actually trigger a chemical cascade that passes into your body. We're talking about this very simplistically here that makes you feel something. Yeah, that sounds super complex to the non-physician here. <laughs> so so it create the chemical cascade creates an emotion in your body. And so when you think about emotions, we can really describe them in our body. They're not created in our head. Like if you think about joy or happiness or contentment or anger, right? Or sadness, disappointment, things like that. We can feel that in our body. And then it's our feelings that drive our actions. So our actions are like what we do, also what we don't do in action goes on that line as well. And same if we have like reactions, like let's say, you know, you see 200K in debt and your thought is I'll never pay this off. And then your feeling is fear, feel afraid, right? Your action might be like your reaction might be to cry or something. Another action might be searching the internet, looking for solutions, trying to figure out if this is even possible. An example of inaction might be just burying your head in the sand. Like, I'm just not going to look at that. I'm not going to worry about that. That's for another day. Just going to pretend like it doesn't exist. Yeah, the ostrich. And that's what I don't want anyone listening to be doing. Yes, exactly. Exactly. We don't want anyone doing that, right? And so then our actions create our results. So of course, we can all agree that our actions create our results. Like we do things or we don't do things and we get a result. But what we see in this thought model then is that the result is always proof or evidence of the original thought that we have. So what most you know, coaching or people giving advice, like what most people are doing is giving action line advice, do this, don't do that, you know, use this budgeting software, pay off this much every month, like, you know, all those, like all these things that you should do. And then that will give you a result of let's just in the debt example, paying off your debt. But what we don't really realize, what we don't understand is that there's so much more to it, right? Like you can know all the right things to do and then you're still not doing it. And it's the same thing with weight loss, right? Like, it's not like you don't, like you didn't know that ice cream might make you overweight, right? Like, like maybe not eating ice cream, <laughs> you know, every night might be helpful if you want the result of losing weight. But so we know that, but then why are we still eating the ice cream? It's because there's- Because it's delicious. Because it's delicious, right? Because there's thoughts and feelings that drive that action, of eating the ice cream. There's thoughts and feelings that drive the action of not actually looking at your debt, not really understanding your finances, not really, you know, allowing yourself to be educated in the way that you need to be to be able to create the result that you want, whatever that is. Right? Or you don't even probably a lot of people probably don't even know what the result is that that they would even want any dream. Like if you're asked, like, what's your dream come true with your money? They'd be like, mm, I don't know, because they haven't even really thought about it. So oh, we find that all the time because we go through a bunch of life planning, you know, right in the beginning of working with someone. It, I'm a registered life planner. And so in our first few meetings, we're just having really great discussions. Like, what are your goals? What does your ideal life look like? And to be honest, most physicians have never really thought that through. And that's why I keep trying to bring it up on the show. And I want all of you to take action. That's why I brought the godfather of life planning, George Kinder, on the show to talk about having a great relationship around money. And I don't know, do you get this when you're coaching people? Because, you know, hope is that feeling, right? Yeah, so it's a feeling, it, exactly. <laughs> it might create them to just be a consumer of information and then 100%. never take action. Yes. 
you know, how do you see this? Is it the same thing in weight loss? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's the exact same thing because it's like just looking for an answer outside of yourself. Like it's consulting everybody else, you know, reading all the blogs, watching the YouTube videos, you know, checking this thing out, asking your friend. And, and in weight loss, it's like I did keto for four days, then I didn't do that anymore. Then I tried Weight Watchers, then I tried this thing, I'm doing the other thing, like just very sporadic, not really following things through. And then what we tend to do is, will say, well, oh, I tried keto, but it didn't really work for me. But like, you didn't really even do keto. And not that I'm suggesting everyone should be doing that. I'm just saying that there's lots of ways to lose weight. And you have to actually follow it through to see if it worked. It's the same thing with financial. I mean, there's so many different theories on the right way to manage your money and different things that you should do. And that's totally fine. Like, you, but you need to find one, educate yourself on it, make sure it makes sense to you. And that's in alignment with what you want and what your goals are. And then you have to actually follow it. Right. So that kind of leads into why do we spend money when like, you know, on stuff we don't need instead of like paying our debt off or saving. Yeah. The, that dopamine hit, you know, that the Amazon effect, right? It's, it's real. Exactly. And, and it's because we basically want to neutralize our negative emotions. It's like, why are we eating the ice cream? Yeah, it tastes good. But why is it so important that we eat something that tastes good right in that moment? Well, because we want to feel better because we're tired. We feel like we need the reward or the treat at the end of the night, you know, to give us a little energy so we can get through the bedtime routine or whatever it is. <laughs> right. So it's the same thing with spending too, where it's just like, well, I just don't even want to have to think about all my debt right now. So for sure, buying this expensive handbag is a good idea. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's like, well, that will make you feel better in the moment. But long term, what you're trading is your short term, you know, contentment or feeling happy in the short term for a long term net negative. Right? Because ultimately, then you're still not tackling that problem that's there. It's nice to be able to avoid it. But and I hear this a lot with actually with budgeting and finances where people say, well, I follow the Dave, Dave Ramsey program and or whoever, just name anybody with money. And we totally... Oh, man, Dave Ramsey. <laughs> but, you know, we we paid off a, a ton of our, our debt and we got everything all straightened out. And then we stopped following it. And then now we're back in the hole again. Now we're, now we're you know, right where we started. How can you see how that's exactly how most people handle their weight, right? I lost a bunch of weight and things were good for a while. And then all of a sudden I've gained it all back and then some. It's the exact same thing. Yeah, I call it the dreaded B word on the show. And everyone hates budgeting because there's usually all these negative emotions surrounding it. And they're usually like, oh, what did I just spend my money on? Yeah. I, can I be honest? I hate budgeting. <laughs> I immediately feel restricted. But I don't realize it's my brain making me feel restricted. It's The budget is neutral. That goes on the circumstance the line. The funny thing is I actually look at budgeting as it's what actually sets you free. In the beginning, well, I don't know the weight loss term or how you do this, but you probably track a lot more in the beginning to get those habits, to build those habits. And then over time, you can release the bumpers, yeah. if you will, and not track every calorie. Yeah. But you know generally that what you should be doing. And I view budgeting as pretty much the same way that you might have to look backwards, figure out what you were doing, and then as you get better at it and you're doing it more frequently and you're building the habit, uh, you know, you start tracking every penny. And then at some point you're like, you know what? I'm good. I've got this. It, release the bumpers a little bit. It doesn't mean you just completely avoid it and delete the app and go. You still have to do something. Yeah. Well, it becomes a new identity, right? You become a new person who is somebody who even without micromanaging every little penny 
keeps track of their money, is aware, right? Awareness is the, is the biggest thing. I mean, I know that's what really what most people don't want. Like they don't want to actually know how much money they owe or how little they've saved for retirement or just what this, the status is of their finances. So, right? So it's like you, you've got to actually see what it is so that you can become someone who handles that. Of course, you're not going to be that person right now. But you have to be willing to grow and become that person. And it really ultimately is what in my world we call emotional responsibility or emotional adulthood. It's it's really actually like doing the hard thing and taking ownership, like taking responsibility for what the situation is and knowing that avoiding it isn't going to help anymore. It's not going to, the problem's not just going to solve itself. You actually have to stop, you know, and I, when I say being an emotional child, it's not like an insult or anything, but it really is so much the way we act, right? We're like, I just want, you know, my parent to come and handle this for me rather than going, okay, well, what would an adult do? An adult would actually start to figure this thing out. Yeah. And part of it's coming back to those emotions with fear. I, I don't know what it is. And I, if, you know, if I fear, if I dig into this, then I'm really going to know. And then I'm going to feel bad. And as humans, we don't want to feel bad. I'll do anything I can to not feel bad. Yes. So I'm going to bury my head in the yeah. sand on this topic. So let me just shop on Amazon so I can feel better <laughs> and make the problem worse. And then I'm going to enjoy that topic some other time because it's more fun to do that one than yeah. to get into the, you know all the bits and pieces of whatever it was that they're trying to ignore. So I'm, I'm actually curious, when you coach people, what are your thoughts yeah. on how you can take it from hope to action. What is, how does that transition occur? Because it's almost like rewiring someone's thought process. Yeah. Like for real, it, it is fully, uh, uh, I mean, it's neuroplasticity. It's like rewiring your brain cells to fire in a different way, but that doesn't happen automatically. You have to decide what's going to work first and then practice it. So it becomes the automatic way, just like you're saying with budgeting. But so I think the, the best way to approach this situation is to work that model, that thought model backwards. So first determining what is the result that you want. So let's just say you want to pay off, you know, let's just say like $10,000 this year or something, right? For for 2020, your goal is to pay down your debt by $10,000. So okay, so now we, we now we know how we're going to know if you're successful, right? Like that is the goal. That's what we want to do. So then you work your way up backwards. What is the action? What are the actions you need to take in order to create that result? And honestly, like, what are the inactions? Like some of the inactions might be having an urge to shop and not, right? Having the urge to get the nicer house in the better school district and all that and not, right? Like, <laughs> like it really looking at, wow, I really want to spend right now and I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to have that, you know, super high-end vacation because I've got this goal, so you can figure out what all those actions are. What are all the things you need to do to make sure that that money ends up being paid off at the end, you know, when you have that goal. And then once you know all the things that you need to do, like what are they all, that whole list, then you can ask yourself, how do I need to feel in order to do those things? What emotions would drive me to do those things? And so, you know, you can come up with a lot of different ones. I have some favorites. I mean, I really like feeling committed. I like feeling determined. 
for me, driven feels good. For some people, driven doesn't feel good. It's like, this is where you have to, you just have to work it out yourself. I love Unstoppable. Unstoppable has created a lot of really good stuff for me in my life. Like just no matter, I always think of it as like, think about like bumper cars, you know, you're like, I'm going to go this way. Oh, boom. No. Okay. Not that way. Turn this way. Is it this way? Oh, no. Okay. That's all right. Keep going. Like you just keep going and going and going. Even when you hit obstacle after obstacle after obstacle, you're like, right, of course I'm unstoppable. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to keep going. Don't make an obstacle mean that I can't do it. Everyone that's listening is like, yeah, thanks. It was pretty much all of training for me. Hey everyone. It's Casey from Physician Wealth Services. I love this episode because hope isn't a sound financial strategy. So rather than depending on hope, let us help you start off the new year by putting together a plan that helps you live a life you want using the resources that you have. We want to help you feel in control of your money the same way that you make a patient feel better about their health. We are fee-only fiduciaries and help hundreds of physicians in all 50 states. We are still taking on clients, so reach out to us and book a free intro call today at physicianwealthservices.com. Okay, let's get back to the show with Katrina, and I'll see you guys Friday. You have to decide what is that emotion. Like, it might even be, like, you know, calm, confident, right? Feeling capable that you can do this. Like, you have to decide. So you don't, you may not feel that way right now, and that's okay. But you can identify, okay, I think that feeling would drive me to take those those actions, right? You think about it with like exercise, right? When you're feeling really motivated, you're going to take the action of like going for a run. When you're feeling really unmotivated, you sit your butt down on the couch and watch Netflix, right? Like (laughs) that's it. So you want to choose an emotion that's going to actually drive what you want to be doing. So that is where you get your emotions from. And sometimes I always say you have to try them on in the wild. Like you have to just test it out and see in the moment when it comes time for budgeting or whatever, does that emotion actually drive this action? So you test it out. Then you ask yourself, okay, what thoughts that feel true and believable to me about whatever the situation is, like in this case, it would be, you know, the the debt or whatever your goal is, that make me feel the way I want to feel so that I take the actions I want to take and create that result. So sometimes we have thoughts about budgeting, like, this is boring. I hate this. <laughs> I wish I didn't have to do this, you know, things like that. And, and we think that those are facts. We think that we're just telling the truth, right? But that's not how it is. Like that's a thought that doesn't make us feel like determined to go budget or do all the actions that we need to take. So I suggest just playing around with all different things. Like, what if this were fun? How can I make this fun? Like, I'm going to, I'm going to figure out a way to make this fun. It's going to be fun when I pay all this, you know, money off, like whatever it is, like, you know, just something, a different thought that will create that feeling that drives that action that you want. So what ends up happening then is your brain will think the old thoughts. I hate this. This is stupid. (laughs) What a waste of time, whatever it is. And then you have to have awareness of that, right? Knowing, okay, look, my brain's offering me that right now. And recognizing that that part of your brain, that's not you. Like the real part of you, you wants the debt paid off. The part that doesn't want to do it is what I call the primitive brain. It's just the part of your brain that's much more interested in instant gratification. And um, it kind of acts like a toddler, you know, likes to have tantrums and things like that, right? So of course, in the moment, it's gonna be like, I don't want to do this right now. This is dumb. You're like, great. Okay, thanks, brain. But I'm going to think about it this way. And you intentionally think about that it that way, create that emotion for yourself 
and then go ahead and get it done. Yeah, I look at this as failing, but then failing fast. If it doesn't work, that's okay. Move on to the next thing and find something that works for you and then stick with it. And and don't make it mean that just because you messed it up, right? Or let's say, you know, a couple months in a row you overspent, like that you can't figure this out. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I a thought that a belief that I had about myself that I had to really work on when it came to financial planning stuff, because we had a financial planner for many years who just really talked in a lot of like insider terminology type of wording. And I just did not, I legit did not know what he was talking about most of the time. And we'd go in for our reviews and I would think to myself, okay, this time I'm just going to ask questions. I'm going to really make sure I understand. And I would get in there and I would ask questions and then I didn't understand the answers. And I was like, well, okay, this is dumb. Like, all right, whatever he says, which is also not great, right? When you're just like, well, whatever this random dude is telling me that I don't understand, like, that's not great either. So, so I had this belief about myself that this is what I would say. I was like, I am a smart person. I just don't understand this stuff. And that sounds like a good one, right? But what it drove me to do right? Like I would think that way about myself. And how would I feel? I would basically just feel like disempowered. And then my actions were to not ask any questions, not try to understand. Like it basically took me having an issue with an accountant that I trusted in my business. She really screwed something up for me because I just let her, I just didn't do any due diligence, just let her do what she was supposed to do. And she did it wrong. And it would, took nine months to straighten it out with the IRS <laughs> for me to go, you know what? Like, it's my job. I have to take full responsibility for this. I created this because I didn't follow up because I wasn't interested in learning. I have to learn this because the thinking this way is not serving me. I've got to think a different way. And so now I just think about it like I'm just learning. I'm always learning. I love to learn and learn more. Yeah, we all should be learning all the time. Now, you're all physicians. You're the smartest people in our population, but it's okay not to know everything. You don't have to be an expert in financial planning, but you do need to actually take interest because no one should care more about your money than you do, even though sometimes I feel like I care more. <laughs> you shouldn't. Well, and what's so interesting too is like, I, you shouldn't work with someone who can't explain it to you in a way that makes sense to you. Like if you keep, you know, I should, I mean, we were years with this guy, years and years and years with this guy, you know, it just felt like so much work to transfer everything over. And how do we find someone else? But in the meantime, I mean, luckily he didn't really mess anything up as far as we can tell, but it was just like, that's not really a great smart way of, of doing this stuff. So I, I think I used to think of it as like, either I'm not going to understand anything, or I have to be reading like Kiplingers, like every week, you know, like, and I don't want to read these journals about who I should invest in and stocks and stuff like that's the last thing I'm interested in there. But there there is a gray zone in there where you understand things you have an actual real conversation. But you let the experts be the expert on all that. Oh, oh, you cut deep on that planner side of me. He's like, hey, why not? Let's get out. <laughs> so I know you're writing a book. I've, I've heard it on your shows. Yeah. And I'm curious because with your yeah. mindset and you're saying things like, I just got to get it done. I just got to do it. It's like going to be super painful, but I'm going to hammer through it. And I'd like to hear how are you pushing through knowing that it's not a pleasant experience, but are seeing the results and kind of working backward. Like I want to have a book and I have to experience the pain in the short term to get that long-term gain. I don't know. I'm just kind of talk yeah. me through the process. Yeah. Well, 
you know, a huge part of it is like we talk about a book being hard to write or just anything that's hard to do going through your medical training, right? Anything that's hard to do as though it's just a fact. And a, a book, writing a book being hard is something that a lot of people agree on. So it really is easy to believe that it's a fact, but it really is a thought that's created in our brain. It's like totally arbitrary. Like some people think it's fun to write books. Did you know that? (laughs) I'm clearly not one of them, but we do have a book coming out very soon. Some people do. There are some people. So here's the deal. I know that I can control that I'm in full control of what my experience is of the process of writing a book because it's my thoughts and my feelings that create my experience of my life. So I'm fully in control of that. Now, sometimes I can think thoughts that really do make it fun and exciting. And I'm I'm on a roll and I'm enjoying it. And I'm really thinking about the person who's going to be reading it and how much it's going to help them. And it's just, you know, I'm so connected to that. And it's a, a really a great experience. But then there's other times when that thought isn't working for me, <laughs> right? <laughs> and my thought is like, I really wish I could stop or whose idea was this anyway? This is dumb or, you know, something like that. Why am I torturing myself? Why am I torturing myself? And so then I'm having more of a negative emotion, right? Like dread or whatever it is that I don't want to do. But I still recognize that that's being created by my brain. That's not just like the truth. It's just thoughts that I have. It doesn't mean like I'm a bad writer or anything negative about me. It literally is just an arbitrary thought that my brain is believing right in that moment. And so what I end up doing is rather than allowing myself to follow that whole thought model through, which would drive the action of not writing the book and the create the, the result of not, you know, right, getting the book finished. I recognize that's a thought. And I don't really want to feel dread as I'm writing this book. I mean, I can, I can still, as you said, hammer through it, muscle through it, get get it done. But it's a lot less comfortable for me. So what I will do is just be like, okay, so I'm feeling some dread right now. That's okay. I can still get to work writing this book. So what is that? That's a new thought that makes me feel a different way. Like I'm not really feeling dread anymore. Now I'm feeling like maybe like a lessened version of dread or feeling a little bit more connected to writing it or something like that, which then drives that action. Yeah, I like that. And I think it's really important to hear how others think on other topics, not necessarily personal finance. Yeah. I was actually reading from one of our new major news publications that Americans spend 7,000 times more time watching TV every year than they do on their personal finances. That's scary. <laughs> and the, you know, the financial planner, I mean, totally just died a bit reading that. But then I think, you know, it comes back to this. It's important to figure out what path you're going down. And sometimes it's the wrong one. Sometimes it's not the easiest or the prettiest. And sometimes you just got to change your mindset to get the work done. Yeah. So I like how you're approaching the book and all of that. Yeah. It's the same thing about like, you know, how do you, how do you write a book? Well, like literally a word at a time, right? You know, like (laughs) how do you pay off your debt? Well, a dollar at a time. Like you just, you know, it's still worthwhile to continue moving forward on that, but you have to get your brain straight on it. You have to feel connected to that result, that progress, however slow it may be. I think, you know, so many people also just have so much resentment and anger that they're pretty much miserable as doctors And they still have all this debt, so they can't even leave their practice and do something else that they want to do because they've got all this debt. I literally just had a client telling me how she had been really honestly like thinking about like every get rich quick scheme she could ever think of and and even defaulting on her loans. She thought about defaulting on her loans and going to work at Target. Like that's how much she hated her physician job. 
And through life coaching and recognizing how she was actually creating all that misery in her job, not her actual job, she, honest to goodness, now loves it again. Like she really, really feels, she's like, I truly feel like it's an honor to take care of my patients. I love going to work. Like for her, that's like such an amazing transformation. She's like, yes, of course. And I've lost like 70 plus pounds and that's amazing. But I actually like going to work. Like it's just, this is amazing, right? Because we have so much more power over our experience of our lives than we think we do. So you have so much more power over your experience of managing your finances than you think you do. Absolutely. That was so well said. So let's cut into our listener question. Yeah, let's do it. Hi, Ryan and Katrina. This is Jerry Bowles from San Diego. First off, I want to say how amazing I think it is. The two of you have gotten together for a joint podcast. I'd have to say the two of you have been a big part of my life this past year. As Ryan knows, I've started to finally get my finances in order. And Katrina, you may not know, but after listening to your podcast for the past year, I've lost about 30 pounds and on my way to lose more. So thank you again to both of you. I have a couple of questions to ask you. First off, how often do you come across clients in which physical well-being and financial well-being overlap or seem to affect one another? And do you feel that strategies within your respective coaching fields cross over well in those situations? And secondly, do you feel as if there is a common origin between behaviors leading to unhealthy eating habits and unwise financial decisions? And on the flip side, do you think there are limitations in making these kinds of direct comparisons between the two issues? I look forward to hearing what you both have to say. And again, thanks again for this great podcast. So for sure, finances and health play hand in hand. <laughs> Similar to what we've just been talking about, there are so many different ways to avoid negative emotion. And it doesn't matter what you're having negative emotion over, right? It's, I don't want to feel that. So I'll eat in order to feel better. Uh, maybe I drink alcohol to feel better. Maybe some people do drugs. Some people spend more than they should, or they just, you know, bury their head in the sand, ignore things. Some people overwork, some people overexercise. Like everybody has their thing. Too many, you know, playing video games all night long. I mean, there's so many different things that you can be doing to make yourself feel better in the moment, which don't give you a result that you want in the long term. And so there's so much overlap there. I for sure see for the physicians that I coach that very, very, very many of them, in addition to overeating, also have a massively cluttered home, which is the result of overspending, right? Because where does all that stuff come from? <laughs> it comes from, you know, buying things that you don't need or want anymore. And all of that really is just a reflection of what's going on in your brain. So like even, you know, your finances, like, you know, if you've got like some money in this account and some money in that account and, and you've got some stuff over there and like this account from back when you lived in some other place and you've never transferred that money over any of that, like all of that disorganization is just a reflection of a disorganized mind. Because when you are actually looking at all of it and thinking in a way that serves you, you of course will have that all cleaned up. And same with all the clutter. It's like, it's just, a, it's like an outward manifestation of what's happening in your brain. So to me, all of the things are the same. Like I happen to coach physicians on weight loss, but I could have easily done, you know, time management or burnout or financial struggles or anything because it's the same tools. So the overlap is, is very much the same. Yeah, I agree. The overlap is a ton. And, you know, a little piece on you know, I've got all the different accounts everywhere. I look at it as if you were in control of everything and that you were completely organized. 
you would get super annoyed that you have four different banks and 19 different credit cards and seven accounts at seven different places that you have old 401ks. You'd get really frustrated and you'd want those things organized. So I, I definitely agree. They're very, very similar because if someone has a negative outlook on their finances, they tend to do one of those things, drink, eat, whatever, lack of exercise, whatever it may be. Some people actually go the exact opposite, which I actually wish this was my you know, quote unquote fault was that they exercise too much. That's not me. And fortunately, my <laughs> wife's like, dang it, why not? Right, exactly. You know, but then there's the people that are perfectly fine in their finances. They have taken control of all that stuff, but then they might be overweight or unhappy. And then they might do other things and maybe cause their finances to go down when they start spending on different things that they may, that they may not be able to quote unquote afford, you know, but that's the way that they're coping. So people cope with things very differently. And I think there's just so much overlap. And I think it's also something that is a little bit unique to physicians, like more of a struggle, because for a lot of people, they're overspending. And then they're really like, you know, like, I really can't afford this. But let's just say your debt's paid off, or like, you're totally on track with all of that. And you really do have all of this excess income. That's not a motivator. You're like, yeah, pretty much we can absorb my Amazon purchases and all the, you know, the sale retail that I'm buying and like all that stuff, you know, like I, we can absorb that and not have any problem. So it's kind of like, well, then I have all this stuff. Like, what do I do with it? But what I notice is that for some of my clients, they stop using food or alcohol to make themselves feel better. And then they're now asking for coaching because they're overspending. They're like, I legit cannot stop looking on eBay. Like I have to be getting something like the packages just delight me. But then now I've got all this stuff. And what's hard with that is when you're losing weight, you often do need to buy new clothes. So you do need to buy some things. It's just not taking, it's like overing, you know, like overeating, over drinking, overspending, like over exercising, overworking. Like what are you, I mean, you want to work. You just don't want to overwork. So what are you taking that's like a normal activity and then overing? You want to make sure that you're not overdoing anything. Yeah. Sometimes that addictive personality takes over and you're like, well, I stopped one addiction to then go jump into another one. And hopefully this is the right one. There it is again, you know, hope. Or just your unwillingness to feel what your real life is. Absolutely. Right. Because that's really what it is. It's like, I'm not willing to actually look at my life, like my emotional truth. Like, I'm scared that if I don't have something distracting me and giving me all these dopamine hits, what is my life? Like, then I might actually figure out that I need to change some things and change is hard and scary and I don't want to do that. So I'll just keep buying stuff. Right. So, so I always say, I'm like, it's, it's kind of, it's a, it's a hard ask, right. To be like, Hey, let's look at all the nonsense that you've been avoiding for the last 10 years. <laughs> but, but there comes a point for people where there's enough pain where they're like, okay, I've got to get myself straightened out. And having a guide, having someone there who can help you obviously makes it, you know, so much better than if you're just like trying to figure it out on your own. Can you do it on your own? Of course you can. Finances, weight loss, all of it. You can do it all on your own. But it is so much easier and better when you have somebody else who can guide you. I mean, it's like why trainers exist. You you go to the no gym way. and you can figure out how yes. to run on a treadmill. Yes. But if you've got them going, you know, run faster and you're like, I don't want to stop. Keep just going. Stop. Let me stop. <laughs> and they're like, no, keep going. You're That's probably right. going to run faster and you're probably going to run longer. And it makes sense that the, the big thing I see with physicians is that they have this out that no one else has. 
and it's just, I'll work another shift. It's no big deal. It's working uh, two more shifts and then I yeah. can take that $8,000 vacation. Yeah. Which is so nice to have that flexibility, right? To be able to do that. Yeah. It's super nice. Yeah. It is but so it nice. It enables them to get really It's stuck. a compensatory behavior sudden, though. They're for... on the spinning treadmill and you're going, you're going, you're going. You're like, uh oh, I have to take those shifts because my lifestyle went up and I have to do those in order to pay for everything. Right. Right, right, right. And I hear that too, where, where, you know, clients will say to me, like, I'm the primary breadwinner and I just feel the golden handcuffs. Like I can't quit. Like I'd love to work less or I'd love to move somewhere else or, you know, do something different, but I can't because now we've got like the huge, you know, amazing house with a big mortgage. We up leveled our cars. Now we got the luxury cars. We're in the nicer neighborhood where all the kids are in private school and all the activities and the country club and all the different things. And before they know it, they're like, I'm not willing to give up this lifestyle, but I don't know any other way to make as much money as I make right now. And, you know, it's so often, like I'll say, like you do realize you could cut back on all of that like massively. And they're like, so uncomfortable with that idea. They're like, No, but I like this, like lavish lifestyle I'm living. I just hate what it takes to get it. Now, what we then do is look at all the thoughts about why they hate their jobs, because so many physicians are like, I want to do something else. Or, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. But they don't realize that they're the ones creating the experience of their job, and their brain will just follow them, then they'll just go somewhere else and have terrible thoughts there about whatever it is that they're doing. So what I find is that it most of the time, the physicians that I coach end up totally falling back in love with medicine and, and loving what they're doing. And honestly, if you do all that work, and you can get to a point where you like it, and you just don't want to do it anymore, then great, then you're totally in a clear space about making that decision versus trying to run away from something trying to escape your yeah. brain. Yeah. And the second part of Jerry's question was around limitations and making these comparisons of the two issues. And I don't think that there's an issue that between the two thought processes, and it only becomes bad when you get analysis paralysis, when you get trapped into wanting to learn, and then the that blocks your ability to actually take action. Because then it's a lack of focus, that kind of hope, I hope I can do this. Yes. And then all of a sudden, you're down the rabbit hole, and you're listening to hundreds of hours of podcasts and reading books and all of this stuff. And, and you're just you're totally confused, financially you know, yeah, healthy. you just don't know what to do. Yeah. And that's what we call indulgent emotions. Those are like indecision, confusion, doubt, worry, you know, all of those things. I mean, they just never produce anything worthwhile. So you notice yourself feeling confused and you have to get yourself out of that rather than like, I don't understand this making you feel confused. I'm going to figure out a way to understand this. It's different, right? Like you're not like lying to yourself and deluding yourself into thinking you understand it better, but you're instead coming up with something that moves you forward so you can better understand it rather than just staying stuck. And here's the thing though, many people are like feeling confused is awful, feeling indecisive feels awful, but it often feels way better than actually taking action because then you have to actually do the thing and that feels really bad. <laughs> so they're like, I'll just stay confused. I'll just stay in indecision. But they don't, but you know, we don't realize that we're doing that typically. So we have to get ourselves out of it to go like, oh my gosh, that's why I can't get out of this. You know, or like guilt is another one, right? And then we feel guilty because we spent and you know, all the things in the past, like none of that matters. We just have to look at what we have today and come up with a plan moving forward. That is literally the number one thing we hear about budging is that it makes them feel guilty. And so they don't want to do it. Yeah, it's totally. tough getting through it some so of those sense. emotions. <laughs> it does. 
you know, thank you so much for being on. Where can people find more about what you're doing, your coaching, your amazing podcast? Just tell the world what's going on. All the details. Yeah. Thank, well, thanks for having me on. I I have to say I was like a financial podcast. That'll be interesting. But there are so many. There's so much overlap. It's Yeah, it's, it's amazing. So yeah, everyone can find me at uh, my podcast, which is called Weight Loss for Busy Physicians. And also on my website, katrinaubellmd.com. And there's lots of information on there about how to get started losing weight, if that's something that you're interested in. I also have, you know, many, many podcasts that are about things that are outside of weight loss, such as your electronic medical records and your terrible thoughts about them and things like that. Now, of course, a lot of people eat because of their terrible, terrible thoughts about their electronic medical record. But for anybody who's like, I don't have weight to lose, they'll still be able to definitely get some things out of it that will help them in terms of just their enjoyment of their work and their life in general. Yeah. And I've heard that feedback from several people who've actually <laughs> told me to go get you onto this show. Yeah. It says weight loss, but that's, it's just not about that. And if this wasn't clear through our conversation today, I don't know how else we can make that clear. Yeah. It really is. It's just like food is just like the symptom. You know, I always say I'm like, the food is like literally the least interesting part about all of it. Right. Because like we're, you know, when we focus on the food, we're totally confused about what the real problem is. The real problem is internal, what we think about ourselves, our thoughts, our feelings, all that stuff. So we dig in. It's super fun. I love it so much. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's becoming one of my favorites. Now, I only have five podcasts on my phone at a time. I literally only keep five on my list. Oh, good for you. And you're one of my five. Good constraint. Oh, well, I feel really super honored. Honestly, that's amazing. Thank you. So I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. It was awesome. Thanks so much, Ryan. All right, it's time for our recap. And there was so many great takeaways we could have done, but I'm going to choose three. And I'd love for you to make sure that you understand these as you walk away with today's show. And the first one is, be aware that your emotions can sometimes get in the way of achieving those goals. And that's why awareness is such an important concept to drive home. Awareness is the, is the biggest thing. I mean, I know that's what really what most people don't want. Like they don't want to actually know how much money they owe or how little they've saved for retirement or just what the status is of their finances. The second takeaway is that when you have a goal in mind and it's hard to gauge where to start, working backwards is the perfect place to get going. You have to look backwards from your goals to start creating the habits that you need. So then you work your way up backwards. What is the action? What are the actions you need to take in order to create that result? And honestly, like, what are the inactions? Like some of the inactions might be having an urge to shop and not. And last but not least, our minds can run away from our better judgment more times than we care to admit. And why the heck does that happen? Well, it's a lot of biology and I'm going to let Katrina handle this one. What I call the primitive brain is just the part of your brain that's much more interested in instant gratification and it kind of acts like a toddler, you know, likes to have tantrums and things like that, right? So of course in the moment it's going to be like, I don't want to do this right now. This is dumb. You're like, right. Okay. Thanks brain. But I'm going to think about it this way. Now I'm going to keep our community update short. And it's got a few little points. One is, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much for being here. And please subscribe to the show and tell other physicians and their families about the show so we can help them take control over their finances. Then number two, if you would like to keep track of what we're doing off air, 
all the behind the scenes stuff happens in our emails. So go to financialresidency.com slash subscribe, get listed on our email so you know what's happening when we're off air. Next Monday, I'm going to be discussing how to simplify your finances. And this really kind of piggybacks off the previous Monday show where I talked about getting your finances organized. And you can't have one without the other, so make sure to check it out. Now, before we leave, we have a quick disclaimer, but it is really, really important. You know, thank you again so much for being here. This podcast is about all sorts of nerdy stuff like cash flow planning, budgets, goals, investments, all that fun stuff. While these types of topics aren't the sexiest, you're here and that's what matters. And I really appreciate that because I work really hard at delivering great information in the podcast. But here's the catch. I don't know anything about you or what your financial needs are unless you're already a client. And then that's a totally different story. So please consult with your CPA, your attorney, or heck, reach out to us, fee-only financial planners, before taking any action or making decisions affecting your hard-earned money. All right, everyone. See you on Friday. Take care.